Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Excited to have Anne back again to talk about the FASA. So, and we were just joking about how. It's a funny word to say, but Anne Garcia is the author of How to Pay for College, and that in itself is the question, right? That's everybody's question. How am I going to pay for this? And it starts with that little five-letter form that the government makes us do in the United States, right? Just the U.S., right? This is like a U.S. thing, right, Anne? Yes. Yes. Okay. Other countries are not as crazy about this as we all are. Good. Okay. So good. I hope they learn. So anyway, let's say hello to Anne. Anne, welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And thank you for all your wisdom that you're about to let everyone have and share with the world. So FASA, I know we were joking about this because... It was like the most horrible part. It was like a nightmare. It was like, I, I wasn't even, like I said, yeah, I wasn't even worried about the paying for it. I was worried about having to fill out the FASA for so many of my kids year after year after year. But before we jump into that, can you please share with people who are listening your family, a little bit about your family and what you do? Yeah. So, um, so I am a mom of twins who are just starting their senior year in college. And we got some big, exciting news today. Our daughter, um, just finished her summer internship and they offered her a job. So I will soon be the parent of a young person, (laughs) at least one. Um, and, and, you know, beyond that, I'm a, um, I'm a financial advisor based in Portland, Oregon. And as I was, you know, early in my career, I noticed that lots and lots of families were coming in to our firm with questions about how they were going to pay for college. And not a lot of financial advisors were, were talking about it. And, um, you know, and they kind of fell into two, two groups. One was parents who were like, where am I supposed to come up with the money for all of this? And the other was young adults who had taken out so much in student loans that um, that they were struggling to figure out how they'd ever buy a home or save for retirement or or do any of, of those things. And so I, I 
being a parent myself and wanting to avoid that fate for myself and for my children, um, I decided to, uh, to dig into it and, uh, and learn a little more. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned in the process of doing this is that paying for college is equal parts parenting and financial planning. I agree. I agree. And it's, you know, and I think it's a discussion that you have to have and also have with your children because they need to know this overwhelming cost and they need to know where this money's coming from because it may have to come somewhat from them too. So, Absolutely. you know, what is this undertaking that, you know, so many kids just think you go to college and, you know, just like they think water is free as is light bulbs. So, you know, it's it's really important to share this responsibility financially with your children so they know they get an idea of what what something like this costs what kind of undertaking it is yeah well and i think the other thing that's important in talking about this with your with your kids is the sooner you start initiating conversations about college the more opportunity you have as the parent to frame their thinking about it versus letting their thinking be driven by their friends and where their friends want to go to college and where their friends' siblings have gone to college and, um, and, and all those kinds of things. And there are definitely positive and negative ways to do that and age appropriate and age inappropriate things to do. You know, I'm not talking about let's figure out what's the right preschool to go to so that you'll get into Harvard. It's more, you know, when's an appropriate time to introduce the concept of college and how do you, you know, and, and how do you, how do you do that? And how do you build the cost component into it in a way that you're creating opportunities as opposed to constraints for, for your children? Exactly. And, and I think it's even important to consider earlier in life when they start talking about what they want to be when they grow up, or they see somebody doing something and they're like, oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And what did that person, how did they get there? Yeah. You know, they see a basketball star, they see a YouTuber and they're like, I want to be that YouTuber right there. And I want to make millions of dollars on YouTube or I want to be a basketball. star. how did that as people get there? Did they just appear one day? One day that guy made a YouTube. Fully formed as a basketball and, player. Right. <laughs> and one day Michael Jordan said, I'm playing basketball and boom, He's the star of all basketball players. You know, it takes hard work and everybody has a journey. It's there's a journey, different journey for every person in every profession. And that's a really important discussion. Once your kids start getting serious about what they want to be when they grow up, because you have to know what you have to do to do that. And what's it going to cost? And if it entails college, well, then what college is the best college for that? Not the one, like you said, where your friends are going, the one that's actually good for that career. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I talk about in my book is, is appropriate conversation prompts at different, you know, at different points along, along the way. So, you know, like you were saying with young kids, you know, when they see a career that they're interested in, that's a great place to engage with them or, you know, talking about something you learned from a college class, you know, oh, I didn't know where thunderstorms came from. And then I had this really interesting meteorology class in college and, um, and I learned about hot and cold fronts and, you know, whatever the case may be, or, 
you know, my friend so-and-so, you know, we met in college and we've been friends ever since, but just introducing it as something that's a part of your life and part of who you are and might be a part of your child's future as well in a way that makes them curious and, and, and interested. Absolutely. And they start thinking about it and they start, you know, and you may see a passion of your child's that you're like, this is clearly what they want to do for their life. You know, it's how my son got into gaming. I, he always loved gaming. And then I was watching the Today Show and they were talking about a gaming degree that's new. That was either in California, Berkeley was the number one school. Second biggest school was uh, University of Baltimore. Yay, because I live in Baltimore. So who even knew? And then I show Kyle and boom, the rest is history. He's got the, he got the degree. He's got a job in gaming. You know, he met his wife. They're, they're little happy gamer peeps. So, you know, you may notice a passion they already have mm -hmm. that you can even talk about and develop. So let's move off of this and let's move on to that really that F word that... <laughs> I hated that. That is a good I, description. I hated <laughs> I donate many things. I remember every year before my kids gone. And for those of you that don't know, my kids are now um, early 30s to my daughter is about to turn 40 next week. And oh man, I every year and I was divorced. So it wasn't just my FASA form. It was my ex-husband's FASA form. And it was, it was, you know, do you guys have, I don't know if all schools have it. You have those little yellow forms that they send home in the beginning of the year. And you have to fill out all your kids' personal information on like 10 mm -hmm. cards. Yep. And I'm like, are we in the 20th, 21st century? What century are we in here that we have to fill out card after card after card after card by hand? Like, isn't that what computers are for? And anyway, yeah, I, I go off on the tangent. Well, the good news is the FAFSA is online. And that's oh, it's how you, online now. Good, and that's, that's how you good. do it now. So, that's so good. and and a lot of the a lot of the actual filling out process has been simplified um, quite a bit. But why don't we take a step back and talk? The FAFSA is the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Um, it I is, actually did not remember what it stood for. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's important to know that the first F stands for free, because if you Google FAFSA, when you go to fill it out, you're going to get a whole bunch of different sites and you may go through the process of filling out what you think is the FAFSA and you get to the end and it's like, okay, for $20, we'll submit your FAFSA. And so remember the first F stands for free. You are not paying to complete the FAFSA. That's uh, great information. Anywhere. Um, you can access it at the, at the Department of Education website, which is studentaid.gov. So, um, so a, a really important thing about the FAFSA, the one thing that it guarantees you is access to federal student aid. That's that FSA. <laughs> um, colleges, in addition, use it to divvy out their own need-based financial aid, but they are under no obligation to meet your financial need. So, so the FAFSA guarantees that you can take out a federal student loan 
It guarantees that you will be considered for a Pell Grant um, and that you'll get it if you're eligible. Um, it, it gives you eligibility for work study and it also gives parents access to Parent PLUS loans. It is not a guarantee that the college of your choice will charge you the amount that you wanna pay for college. And I think that's a huge misconception that parents have about what the FAFSA does, where they focus very much on how do I get the lowest possible expected family contribution, but then they don't go out and match that low expected family contribution to colleges that meet financial need. And you have to fill out the FAFSA. I mean, that's still true. Like I, I know when my kids went to college back in the day, um, you have to fill it out. Like you can't qualify for any kind of student aid, financial aid without having that form filled out. Is that still the case? Correct. No need-based financial aid without filing the FAFSA. Um, and, and most states have a version of the, so the, the FAFSA requires you to have a social security number for yourself and your parents, um, tax return and all that kind of stuff. Most states have a version of the FAFSA that's for undocumented students or students whose parents are undocumented. So if that's you, just look for your state's version of that. It's unfortunately probably only going to work at your state's schools. Um, but what the FAFSA does is it, is it calculates your ability to pay based on what the federal government says is, is, your, um, is your ability to pay. And I think you will find the amount that they think you're able to pay is quite shocking. Um, there's, there's four buckets that go into the FAFSA, um, the parent's income, parent's assets, student income, and student assets. So for most families, the biggest piece of that is, of course, the parent's income. And that has to do not only with that's usually the biggest source, but that's also the source that's most heavily assessed in, in the formula. So once your income gets over a certain level, 47 cents of every dollar is considered available to pay for college, which obviously it's not, but um, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, yeah. But then the next piece is um, your family's assets. People get really worked up about um, how to shield their assets from the calculation. The thing is your assets only count at 5.64% of their value. So every $1,000 of assets is only going to increase your expected family contribution by $56. Every $1,000 of income is going to increase your expected family contribution by $470. Wow. So, um, so, so by all means you know, plan to pay your big bills before you file the FAFSA, but don't get into a whole bunch of chicanery and gymnastics about trying to get rid of your assets because they just don't, don't count that much. Don't count. Um, and for a child to get student loan for them, they still have to have this FAFSA in place, right? Correct. And, and, and for families who are, um, who are planning that their student is going to borrow the um, direct student loan, which is the federal um, student loan for undergraduates, is far and away the best loan for them to take out. Um, not only do you get all the federal loan protections, you know, access to um, income-based repayment, um, hardship provisions, fixed interest rates, um, but that's the only loan that your kids can take out without you co-signing for it. <laughs> so, and, and say the name of that loan again. That's, that's the federal the direct direct student loan. It used to be called okay. the Stafford loan. Oh, okay. I heard of that. 
Yeah, okay. the names all changed about 10 years ago when um, when the, the Department of Education started making the loans directly rather than relying on third parties and guaranteeing that. Got it. Got it. I know so, yeah, so the FAFSA. Year, oh, go ahead. So the FAFSA is the application for federal student loans as well. Right. Okay. So you have to, and you still have to complete it every year? Every year. Yep. I guess that's for financial changes. Yeah. Now what's good is, um, so a couple of things just on the logistics of the FAFSA. Um, If you have multiple children for whom you have to file the FAFSA, as long as you do it in one sitting, when you finish, it'll ask you, do you have another FAFSA you want to do? And if you say yes, it'll copy all of your parent data over into your next child's FAFSA. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but you have to do it at the same time. So if you're like me and, you know, you don't have, your kids are not around ever in your house at the same time. <laughs> so if you don't do it at the same time, then you have to start all over from the beginning? Correct. Correct. Isn't te- technology farther advanced than that? <laughs> One would think. <laughs> um, the other thing is when you... um when you so the first year that you complete the FAFSA it is soup to nuts you know all the steps in the process in subsequent years you will be filing what's called a renewal FAFSA and 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 basically you'll be asked what's changed so um the first the the one of the first steps once you go through all the demographic information is that you link your tax return to your FAFSA that pulls all of your um, income and tax information over into the form directly without you having to do anything so you, you'll do that each time. And then it just, uh, you know, it, it shows you your previous answers, you know, your previous FAFSA answers, and you just go in and, um, and update what needs to be updated. So once you've completed the FAFSA, do you get any kind, I mean, I'm sure you get a confirmation and you probably have to make sure you know that confirmation information, but does, do they then show you anything about what you're qualified for? Like, does a, do, are there any estimates of what you might be qualified for, or do you then have to apply to other things? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, um, and the answer is so, so first and foremost, once you complete it, your student will receive an email with what's called the student aid report. And that just shows everything that's in there and what your expected family contribution is. You also, when you complete the FAFSA, you tell the, um, you tell the form where you want it to be sent to. So any school that you're thinking you're going to apply to, you add that to your FAFSA and, um, and have it sent automatically to, to that school. Now, financial aid is dispersed by the schools. So the one item that the FAFSA will tell you that you are eligible for or not eligible for is Pell Grant. Everything else is allocated by by the schools. So um, things you might, federal programs you might be eligible for are subsidized student loans where the interest doesn't accrue on a portion of your loan while you're in college, Um, work study, um, education, uh, um, education grants, FSCOG and TEACH are two grants, but all of those things are allocated by the schools themselves, including, you know, including work study. And so, so you will, as part of your financial aid package from colleges that you're accepted to, those items will appear in, in your aid package if you're eligible and 
if they don't appear, you can go back and ask for them. And if you get a Pell Grant, is that automatically awarded to you or you have to go and accept it? The Pell Grant is awarded automatically. So that'll go like if you're going to whatever school you're going to, if you're on the mm-hmm. University of Maryland, it's automatically sent that there's this grant. Correct. And correct. a grant is not paid back. That is correct. Yeah. So the Pell Grant is a really terrific um, grant in every sense, except that it's insufficient and, um, you know, because it it's about, you know, $6,800, which doesn't get you terribly far in, um, you know, in the world of college and it's not available to enough students in my opinion. That's what, that's what I think. And, and is that $6,800 fixed or it's like you might get 1500 and someone else might get six. That's the, so 6,800 is the maximum amount and it is allocated strictly on the basis of what your expected family contribution is. So at certain levels of expected family contribution or going forward, once the FAFSA changes next year are implemented certain income levels, you will, you automatically get a certain amount of Pell Grant. So if you're below, if your EFC is below X, you get the maximum grant and then it's a sliding scale backwards from there. So right now it's September. Um, when is the optimum time to apply for a, a to well to complete the FAFSA when does that have to be done yeah so the FAFSA comes out October 1st of every year and that's for the subsequent school year so this fall October 2022 you'll be filing the FAFSA for the school year that starts in the fall of 2023 um you can file it on October 1st and you will probably spend a lot of time trying to log into the Department of Education website because millions of people are trying to fill out the FAFSA on, on October 1st. Is um, there benefit to October 1st or they're just trying to do it? I think people, a lot of people just have in their head that you have to file right away, that dollars are first come, first served. I would say the higher financial need you are, the earlier you should file the FAFSA. Um, and um, federal government, federal dollars are not first come, first served. Everyone gets them, but most states have their own grant and other financial aid programs, and those dollars do tend to be first come, first served, some portion of them anyway. So if you are very high need, file it as soon as you can. Um, and I would say the caveat to that is look at your monthly bills And if you are likely to be eligible for need, look at your monthly bills and figure out when you're going to pay them all so that you minimize the amount of assets that you have to report on the FAFSA, you know, your rent, your mortgage, your credit card, and likewise make any large purchases that you're going to make anyway, before you file the FAFSA, just to reduce the assets on, on your balance sheet when, um, when when you file it. Um, Every school sets their own deadline of when it's due by, and there's no consistency whatsoever to them. So for example, here in Oregon, Oregon State's deadline is February 28th and University of Oregon's deadline is March 1st. So um, you don't want to wait that long though, because you do want to file it in the fall because by filing it in the fall, you are, um, you're, you're guaranteeing that you will get a financial aid package with your acceptance offer. The longer you wait, the more likely those are to come, to come separately. 
Now I said, if you're high need, do it right away. How do you know if you're high need? The, um, the Department of Education has a tool on its website called the Student Aid Estimator. And um, that's at studentaid.gov. You can log, you can go to that website, punch in your financial information, and it will give you an estimate of your expected family contribution. Um, if your expected family contribution is less than the cost of college, then you are eligible for need-based aid. If your expected family contribution is say below $15,000, you're probably high need. And, um, and then you should try to file the FAFSA as, as early as possible. Um, if, you, um, if you go to the studentaid.gov and can't find the student aid estimator, it does go offline for a period of time before the FAFSA, um, before the new FAFSA comes out. In that case, you can go to the College Board website and just Google College Board EFC Estimator, and they have one that's that's online 12 months of the year, 365 that's days. That's interesting that they pull it. Well, because they're, they're loading in the new data for the oh, new version okay. of the FAFSA. Okay. And that's probably going to happen any day now. Okay. And like I had mentioned you know, that I was divorced at the time my kids went to college. And so we both had to fill out the FAFSA, mm -hmm. as I remember. I mean, I had to, and he had to. Mm -hmm. Is that still the case? No, with the, um, with the FAFSA, only the custodial parent um, files, the, files the FAFSA. Um, and right really? now- Really? <laughs> that would however, make a big difference. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, there's a second financial aid form called the CSS profile, which is used by about 400 private colleges. And most profile colleges, most colleges that use the CSS profile do require both parents to report um, income and assets if the parents are divorced. Huh. So with so the that's FAFSA, it's different just different from the FAFSA? Correct. Like the FAFSA only addition? requires. The, yeah, it's filed in addition. So the CSS profile is in addition to the FAFSA. Um, and so plan if you are at the point right now of applying for colleges this fall, plan that you are going to have to do the FAFSA and the CSS profile. It's quite possible that based on your child's ultimate school choices, you won't need um, you won't need to file the, the profile. And with the profile, there's no, um, there's no real need to get on it really, really early, unless you're applying to a college that does what's called rolling admissions. Um, and is rolling admissions is when the college reviews every application as it's received and gives students decisions basically right away. Because in that case, if you delay, you know, number one, they're not getting your financial aid information when they get your application. Um, and number two, they could give away all of their pool of financial aid before they get your CSS profile. So do it. Yeah. So, okay. So I can imagine some parents, this would be me if I was still in that, that stage of life. Gratefully, I'm not. Um, I can imagine some parents listening to this and going, uh, this just sounds like way overwhelming. I, I don't even, I, I know where you said I should go, but I'm like so overwhelmed. I don't even know what to put together, what to say, what to do, what to pay off, what not to pay off, what to buy, what, to, you know. 
what do you recommend to them? I mean, do they like reach out to you? Do you help them or is there something online or is there more different things they can do? What do you do to yeah, say, so okay, I know this is overwhelming. Let's help. So a couple of things. One is the FAFSA has gotten a lot easier to fill out than it was when you were doing it, Celia. <laughs> so that's so good. So that's, so that's good so don't don't be terrified. Um, don't be terrified about it. I probably have um, like PTSD from it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because my daughter's turning forty and I didn't fill out a FAFSA, it's been years. It's been decades. Just <laughs> still every fall having nightmares about still it. just the word <laughs> sends me into a dizzy. Um, yeah, so, so it's, it's no longer as difficult as it was when, um, when you were, when you were filling it out, I would suggest a couple of resources. Number one, um, on my YouTube channel, which you can get to from my website, which is how to pay for college.com. I have a video where I walk through filling out the FAFSA. So you can see every single question on, on the form. Oh, I would love that. For those of you like me with short attention spans, I have a version of it that's, that's multiple short videos. <laughs> so if you just want to see what it looks like, just, just do that. Um, I also have a ton of content on my website about it, how it works, how you prepare for it and whatnot. And then um, my book, How to Pay for College, has tons and tons of details as well as strategies of things that you can do to reduce your expected family contribution, find scholarships, um, find colleges that will meet your financial need, um, and so on. And, and there's all kinds of oper financial opportunity out there that that I know. Is your YouTube channel also how to pay for college, or is it different? <laughs> Good question. I think it's College Financial Lady. Okay, so but it's linked from my website to the website, and then it, yeah. it'll go. So yay for YouTube, because there's just always great stuff on there. And right. clearly, Anne knows what she's talking about, parents. So, you know. Some I people don't know how to Anne rebuild your car engine. Long ago. <laughs> I do how to fill out the FAFSA. <laughs> That's good. That is a gift. I'm telling you. I'm, t I'm, I'm scaring you, parents. So it's it's. <laughs> it's much better now. It's much better. Yes, it's, it's much, know, that's much better. And, and, you know, I know from my experience with my multiple children in college, there's, there's also so many other ways of getting money. I mean, you have to do the FAFSA, hands down. You can't do anything without that. Yeah. But there are so many other scholarships, you guys, and it's great for your kids to get involved in Let's Find Scholarships. You know, I told you earlier that my son went to the University of Baltimore um, in 2007 for his gaming degree. And it turned out that the University of Baltimore, which is not a part of the University of Maryland, originally was a four-year college and then became a very exceptional um up what's a graduate college and so it's got a huge reputation lawyers business people a lot of people went to Baltimore and so it became a third and fourth year college and then it became this upper graduate college and the year that my son went there it went back to a four-year college along with its upper graduate fame and so he was the first class going into this new four-year college and there were literally 450 applicants and only 180 students 
would get into the college in all fields. This was not just gaming. This was all their fields, business, everything. That's all they would accept is 180 students. He did get in gratefully and yay for him. He's a super guy. And then an alumni who remained anonymous decided he or she, I don't know which, would pay for all 180 students for their first year of college. So oh. grateful to whoever that person was. And they remained anonymous. We don't know who that person was. Um, but so you never know, too. There's all kinds of things that, you know, are scholarships and, you know, that you get for this extra money towards college because college is expensive. And I remember one year for my daughter, she actually got a student loan because the interest rates were so low. And then I just simply paid for it. Like she didn't, the student loan was in her name, but I paid for the student loan. So rather than me at that time getting an extra loan, it worked better for her and gave her a little credit and all that stuff. So there's yeah. all kinds of creative things too. Well, and that's a great point. If your student is going to borrow the best, regardless of who in your family is going to borrow, the best loan to take out is the direct student loan, as opposed to the parent plus loan, because the direct student loan has the lower interest rate of, of all the loans. Like you said, it gets reported to your student's credit record. So they build a credit history um, and, you know, they're the one getting the education. So it's, the the nice thing with the direct student loan is the amount that they can borrow is capped every year. And so when you graduate from college, your monthly payment is around $325 a month for 10 years. And it's, and, and then you're, you're done with that, which is completely reasonable for a college graduate. So yeah. if your family is going to borrow, the first place to borrow is the, is the direct student loan. Yeah. And that's what we found. And I only did it for one year. I didn't do it the other years. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was needed for that one year. And I was like, well, you, we're going to do it at, for, with your name and not my name because it was interest rates much lower. Yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing with, with scholarships is we've been talking about the FAFSA and need-based scholarships. So the FAFSA is what colleges use and the CSS profile is what colleges use to allocate need-based scholarships, but lots of colleges offer merit scholarships as well. Um, and so, so families who are horrified at their expected family contribution, <laughs> um, which is probably everyone, right. um, should also look for colleges that offer merit scholarships because need-based scholarships are limited to meeting the difference between your expected family contribution and the cost of attendance, whereas merit scholarships can be offered for any amount that the university um, or college chooses, chooses to give. Um, and those and tend regardless to be based of the student's financial on, And what do they tend to be based on? So the vast majority of merit scholarships are based on grades and sometimes on, on test scores. So I know we always think about athletes getting the scholarships, but it's really the mathletes who kill it in the scholarship department. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, so your best bet is grades and test scores. I always encourage families, you know, early in your student's high school career, or even when they're in middle school, look at your own in-state colleges and what merit scholarships they offer and on what basis. So a really key consideration is whether they use weighted or unweighted GPA. 
because, and I will tell you my life lesson in this was that we always encouraged my son to take really challenging classes. He did not do particularly well in those classes. And had he taken classes that he would have been more successful in, he would have gotten another $12,000 a year in merit scholarships from the college that he, that he ended up going to. That is a big, that's a big thing. And, and your GPA we did is much, look at that, right? yeah, your GPA is much easier to plan for when you are a freshman <laughs> right. than when you're a junior or a, or a, a senior. senior. Exactly. So the other key part is, do they look at six semesters or seven semesters of, of college? But once you know that for your in-state colleges, that can kind of give you what your baseline college cost is for a four-year college. And you can use that as a point of reference for other, you know, for looking at other colleges. Um, Every college is required to have a tool on its website called a net price calculator. And a net price calculator allows you to enter all of your financial information and sometimes your academic information. And it will give you a, a report showing what a student like you would have received in grants and scholarships in the current, um, in the current school year. And then most colleges have other scholarships that you can apply for as well, which you can find on their scholarship um, on their scholarship page, or you just Google the college name and incoming freshman scholarships. Yeah, and and research it's so worth it. I remember, yeah, you know, I'll bring up Baltimore again because we were talking about it. But after that first year that he got paid for, that that person paid for. Still, every year they offer their students an in-school merit scholarship. So if your grade point average was this, you got this much money off of your tuition. If your grade point average was this, you got this much. So the college itself, as you were going to college, your grades mattered for the next year of schooling. Yeah, there's a great website called College Data, and it's just collegedata.com. And you can look up colleges on there and see what the um, what the median 50 percentile GPA is for the current freshman class. So the GPA range from the 25th percentile to the 75th percentile. If you are above the 75th percentile, you are likely a candidate for mer- merit aid if the college offers merit aid. So that's a great tool to look at to see um, whether you're, you know, where you stand relative to the student body as a whole. And they also have a tab on there called financials and it shows which tells you what kinds of scholarships the college, that college offers, you know, whether it's need-based or or merit. Um, merit scholarships though can be, so it's not just grades, um, and test scores, although that is the bulk of the merit dollars, there's lots of things that um, that students can get scholarships for. You know, if you're applying to smaller out-of-state liberal arts colleges, they all love to say they have students from all 50 states. It's quite possible that you, as a student from a small state that's more than, say, 200 miles away, could be one of a very small number of applicants from your state applying to that college. And chances are good that they want you to come. And and the way colleges show you they want you to come is they give you scholarships. (laughs) (laughs) My son- That's great. My son was part of a group that started an esports um, program at his college, and this year they all got scholarships for esports. In English, that means wow. they are getting scholarships for playing video games competitively. That's that's awesome. <laughs> Every teenage boy's dream. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is. Yeah, I remind my son of that often. You know, when he complains about work, I'm like, "You get paid. 
to play video games. Yeah. Yeah. The big dollars always come from the colleges, but then there's another pool of scholarships that um, are just available through community organizations, um, you know, Rotary. And governments, right? Like senators and congressmen, and Mm -hmm. they have collegiate scholarships and yeah. So best place to look for that is your high school um, college and career center is going to have a binder and it's like a binder binder. Like we know binders <laughs> right? with lists and lists of scholarships or ask your teachers, ask your coaches and club sports, ask the people who run the activities that you participate in. My daughter had a, um, had a scholarship recommended to her by her computer science teacher that she got. It's been $5,000 a year. Um, plus a computer every year, plus wow. she gets a professional mentor. Her mentor found her this internship at her company where she's worked the last two summers and she just got a job offer for them from them when she graduates. So That's awesome. That's so awesome. there are lots and lots of great scholarships out there. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to look for them. So, well, and this has been so helpful. Um, and you know, I really appreciate all your wisdom and your knowledge on all of this. And I'm sure a lot of parents listening have really kind of gotten a clarification on what they need to do and when they need to do it. If there is one more tip you can offer a parent getting ready to hit this journey, what would it be? So, um, so I'm going to go impractical instead of practical this time. (laughs) Go for it. <laughs> um, I think when you are in this process, it's so easy to get caught up in the excitement of the next steps and, and picturing your kid, you know, walking through these ivy colored campuses and, 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 you know, doing all these exciting things, making new friends, studying abroad, whatever it is. Um, so, so, so two pieces of advice relative to that one is that's going to get there soon enough. So be present in their senior year, be present in their junior year, be present in their life right now and, and make sure that you get every bit of enjoyment out of the last soccer game, the last school musical, the last choir concert, the last debate. Um, and, and the, the, the corollary to that is it's difficult to watch your child go. Um, One of the things I did for each of my kids was when they left for college, I wrote them each a letter. Um, And, and I just talked about the, you know, the the qualities in them that I thought were going to make them successful as students. And I meant it like as a pep talk for them. And I included a picture of them, you know, with my son, it was, um, he had scored the game winning goal in a soccer game with my daughter. She was performing a solo in the school musical. Um, but I just talked about, you know, things that they had learned growing up and experiences they, that they'd had that I thought were going to make them successful as students. And I realized after doing it that I meant it as a gift to them, but it was really a gift to me because it helped to remind me that my kids were going to do well out there. Yeah, that's so important. That's great advice. Great advice. You really have to... <laughs> coming from me who cried at 10th grade when Lauren (laughs) went into 10th grade and she's like, why are you crying mom? And I'm like, well, because in two years you're going to college and then you'll be gone and you won't come back. And she's like, it's two years from now. And I'm like, but that goes like a blink of an eye. And it really does. I, you know, to think that she's now turning 40 and there's been four decades gone. It's, it goes in a blink of an eye. So truly great advice. Be present, you know, 
don't constantly think about like what they're going to do in five years and four years and two years. Like, what are they doing right now? That's wonderful advice. And you can really get caught up in all this, but be there for your kids and let them help you with all this, you know, share the excitement that they have of going to school and where they want to go and with places they think they want to do and who they want to be. So wonderful advice. And I really appreciate it. Um, one more time before we say goodbye, just tell them where they can find you, even though it will be in the description of the podcast. And please share the name of your book because you guys all need to get it. Thank you. Yeah. So my book is how to pay for college and it's available from bookstores everywhere, you know, Amazon bookshop.org, um, your local, your local bookstore. Um, and my website con conveniently is also how to pay for college.com. Um, it has all my contact information. Um, it has a blog that has new content every week, um, as well as, um, an online course that walks you through the process of, of preparing to pay for college from figuring out your budget to filing the FAFSA and choosing colleges, finding scholarships and, and all those good things. Well, so great that you do this. And Anne, thank you so much for being on again and sharing this information because it can be overwhelming. And I don't think parents, you know, they can't get enough of good, valuable advice to, you know, calm the whole situation down, take away the anxieties and really start leading their way to a successful future. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Celia. Oh, loved it. And to all of you, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us. And I hope you really got some value. Keep in mind that October 1st is the start of the FASA and the fun both with F's. So <laughs> have fun doing it. And I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore. So, <laughs> but I'm glad I can bring you Anne who will help you throw it and that things have gotten much easier. So go for it, do it as soon as you can, get it done and you'll get help. You'll get the help that you need. In the meantime, I wish you all days filled with peace, love, tons of laughter, laugh through this experience because I can laugh now because it's funny later on. So make sure that you stay laughing. That's what makes life worth it. And I'll talk to you all later and see you in the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast and being a part of my mission to stop a million parents from yelling at their kids. Be sure to head over to PumpedUpParenting.com and grab your free copy of the Patience Playbook. Wishing there was a manual for your toddler? Well, great news. Now there is. Pick up your copy of Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, plus my three new children's books at celiasbooks.com. That's celiasbooks.com. If you're loving this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and pay it forward. And also leave a review so I know who you are and can thank you personally. Tune in next time for more tips, advice, and strategies as you continue to pump up your parenting and create childhoods that everyone in your family can blossom from. Have yourself a really happy, fun day. Bye-bye.